This series is important to every one of our lives. The truth is, our lives are part of something much greater than we understand or can imagine. Now, let's learn about the kingdom of God and how we play into it. Speaking of what we're doing today, everybody, we are in a series on the kingdom of God. Today is part two of it. If you missed part one, good news is it's online. You can go back and get it. Uh, But as I told you in part one, this series is a remake of something we did four years ago. And when I say remake, it's going to be a good bit different. So if you came to part one and said, oh, I've heard all of that. uh, No, no, no. Wait, it's changing a lot throughout the rest of the series. But this series is based upon everything I've learned about the kingdom of God from my pastor And uh, I just also want to point out, he was not only my pastor, or is still my pastor, he was also a professor of a course I took called The Kingdom of God. 16 hours, three hours a week, 16 weeks, three hours a week, and and a really, really big notebook. So what we're doing in this series is we're just scratching the surface of it, but we're going to get the most important things that apply to you and me in every day of our lives. And the reason that we are redoing this, not only because we think that it needs to be redone and done better uh, than we did four years ago, but it's because the topic is so important. Our lives are part of something much bigger and we often don't understand the role that we play and what God is doing upon the earth. Matter of fact, as I said in part one, I want to remind you, God himself came to the earth as Jesus. And we always say, well, yeah, so he came to die for the sins of his people. He came to redeem his people and he he rose again. And it's all the Easter and Christmas stories. I'd say, yes, and he could have done all of that, did all of that, but most people don't notice. In the meantime, he preached and he did things and he preached about the kingdom of God more than anything else. What does that tell you? If he was gonna spend time and he could talk as much as he wanted, he mentioned the kingdom of God more than anything else. And you could go as far as to say everything else he talked about was just an aspect of the kingdom. Everything that he did was a demonstration of the kingdom of God upon the earth. So that is why we think it is time for us to talk about it. We should probably do it more than every four years. In part one, we laid a foundation for the series. If the kingdom of God is here upon the earth, then why is this world such a mess? I mean, look around us. Most people would have to say, I don't think the kingdom is here. The kingdom is not functioning. So we answered the question, how did we get here? And by here, I mean a broken and sinful world where it looks like God is behind and Satan is ruling. Well, we discovered it all came down to an event where mankind sinned. Actually, a better word is rebelled. Mankind rebelled against the authority of God. And when that happened, two things were lost that mankind had. Number one was a perfect relationship with God. And number two was dominion upon the earth. And there is no better reminder that we have lost dominion upon the earth than the fact that every one of us has a fly swat in our home. If you ever want to be reminded of how evil the world is around us, just hold a fly swat and go, I hate you, devil. Because up until this event, Adam could stand in the Garden of Eden and go, shoo, fly, shoo. And away it would go. And now those little demons with wings, they come at you. They, They buzz in your ears around you. They land on your head, especially if you have nice hair product. I wouldn't know, but... No greater reminder. And so today we are called in our lives to subdue and rule over. That was part one, not gonna give you that again, but to subdue and rule over everything that stands opposed to the authority of God in our lives. Matter of fact, that is the very fight that you and I see. It's the struggle that's in the world around us. That's why the Bible reminds us, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You know the second half of that verse? We do wrestle 
against spiritual forces of evil. We forget we are engaged in a fight. But does anybody want some good news today? We have the book. We have the end of the story. And we know God wins in the end and makes it all right. Everybody, can I get some praise for Jesus in this place? But can I also ask, how many of you are tired of hearing that? God will make it right in the end. God will fix it later. And if I were to take a poll of most everybody in this room, as well as those of you online, we would all agree, most of us assume that's gonna happen after we're done on earth. If I were just to ask, most of us would say, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna live out my life, die and go to heaven before we see the last chapter of the book played out on earth which means what we think is gonna happen is that we're gonna to have to spend our entire lives in this brokenness and this evil with it looking like Satan is winning and who is tired of that? Well, what if I were to tell you that actually God's kingdom is moving upon the earth right now? That you and I are not going or should not have to live in the same brokenness every single day of our lives. Matter of fact, what if I were to say that God is working his plan that he's been working from the beginning and his plan has not been thwarted. And matter of fact, what gives you and me faith in the worst days, the darkest days when we're going through trouble is because we know that God is in control. God is working his plan and he is doing exactly what he said he would always do. He's never once lost sight of the course. So what I wanna share with you today is God's plan and your part in it. And I truly believe, not because of what I'm about to say, but because of, the truth from scripture itself that is so often overlooked and, and not preached often enough that if we see what God's plan is and our part in it, I think your life will never be the same. I think you'll never wake up on a Monday the same. At least that's my hope. It's what I'm praying God is gonna do. So I've got a question for you. Are you ready for this? Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready for this? Okay, awesome. I'm so glad that you guys are. So we're gonna pick up the story just after the rebellion, the sin that took place thousands of years ago that we were talking about last week. And at that moment, I want you to imagine what it would have been like right there in the Garden of Eden. Adam just messed up, Eve just messed up, Satan just won. If you could just imagine the mood changed. Have you ever walked into a room and the mood wasn't what you thought? I mean, everything has changed. I don't know about you, but by the way, if I could have a time travel machine, I'm going back to this moment. It's gonna be in my top five. The other four are something Jesus did, but this one I wanna go back to. Because at that moment, everything began. God spoke his plan and everything he's been doing since he told us what he was gonna do. So he gathered them all up. Gotta imagine the picture. Adam's standing there a little like this. Eve, Eve probably has tears. Satan's just standing there grinning. And he turns to Adam and he says, Adam, you know, this was supposed to be easy. Gave you dominion. Simply speak and steward and enjoy. Now you're gonna to have to work. And not only is work a four-letter word, but it's gonna become a four-letter word. It's gonna be stress-inducing, sweat-breaking. Your life will be difficult because of what you did. Eve, your greatest pleasure will be your most painful moment. Said a few other things, but that's not our topic today. And he moves to Satan. He says, Satan, Pick up the story in Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity. I'm just gonna pause right there because you don't know the word. 
Most of you have never heard this word. I'm not trying to insult you. I'm not insulting your English. I'm not insulting your learning, even though we are here in South Carolina and that's an advanced word. That's not the point. Most of us don't know this word because your mama wouldn't let you learn it. Enmity means the greatest hatred of all hatred. You were not supposed to use the word hate. Remember when you came home from school one day, you threw your book down, down and you went, I hate my algebra teacher. And your mother goes, don't say you hate. God is listening. We weren't supposed to use the word hate. Your mother would never even let you learn a word for hatred to the 10th level, to the highest degree of hate. But God says, I will put the highest hatred, enmity between you, Satan, and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. I want you to imagine this moment. This is the beginning, everybody, in case you missed this. Genesis 3, Genesis 1 and 2, God made everything. He put them in the garden. This is about as beginning as it gets for you and me. And in the beginning, Satan is standing there and he's grinning as he, he watches Adam get in trouble. He watches Eve get in trouble and he's like, all right, come on, God, tell me where the keys are. Tell me how to turn the AC on around here because I just got it all and I just won. And I've got, I mean, I, you can just imagine his pride because that's what caused it all. And he's just standing there and he starts to hear God speak this to him and, he, and, he, and his smile starts to go away. And you can just imagine him starting to think, what? You already have a plan? In this moment, you already know? How can that be? I just won. I just got your kids. Your kids just gave me everything you gave them. I've won, and you're telling me I'll lose? There's no way I can lose. I've already won. And you think of all of it. I'll lose to one of their kids? Ha. And God looks at him and says, uh, well, Satan, let me tell you how this can be. Exactly. One of their kids. The offspring of woman will crush your head. Who's this talking about? Obviously, Jesus. Actually, us too, because the last time I checked, we are all also the offspring of woman, but I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll come back to that later. Right now, we're gonna talk about Jesus. See, Satan did strike the heel of Jesus. When did he do that? On the cross. As Jesus had to experience the worst and most torturous way of killing that humanity had come up with as Jesus had to experience having all the sins of humanity placed upon himself, as Jesus had to experience the Father turning his back on him. Never in eternity had Jesus been separated from the Father, but because of the sins of mankind, Jesus cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, Satan thought he had won because he did strike the hill then Jesus will crush his head. When did that happen? Also on the cross. And you would say, wait a minute, how can the moment where you win be the moment where you lose? Because just as he was striking his heel, as you might imagine with a snake, very easy and the best time to turn right around and crush that snake's head. And so on the cross, when Satan thought that he had got Jesus and got everything, it was at that moment that every drop of blood that was shed paid for you and me and every one of us was redeemed for all time. That was when he began to crush his head. The truth is he didn't end because a couple of days later, Jesus decided, I am just not staying in this cave any longer. Thank you. It's been a great place, Joseph. Appreciate you sharing that with me. I'm giving it back to you and your family now. Y'all can use it someday later. I'm moving on out of here. And then as we're gonna learn today, Jesus continues every single day to crush his head. 
Let's go back to that moment in the garden. At that moment, God told all of humanity and Satan that someone and something was coming that would change everything. Matter of fact, all throughout scripture, what we have is time and time and time again, we are told of a coming king and his kingdom. Let's all have a Christmas service for a moment, if you don't mind. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Don't forget that 2,000 years ago, it did not end at that moment. And on the throne of of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. There will be no end. That's exactly right. You mean Jesus will come, he will bring his kingdom and it will keep increasing. Yes, of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Which is why Daniel says this, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. Jesus' favorite turn for himself. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Come on, everybody. That is our king and that is our kingdom. Daniel also said, in the days of those kings, that means when mankind ruled upon the earth, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom, no, it will not be left for another people, but that kingdom will crush and put to an end all these other kingdoms, but it itself will endure. That means every kingdom that is set up on the world by any earthly king, any type of rule that is not of the authority of God, as well as the kingdom of darkness, every other kingdom will be crushed by the kingdom of God, which is why Jesus said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. It turns out it is absolutely all about the kingdom. Everything is about the kingdom. Your life is about the kingdom. My life is about the kingdom. There would be a king, he would bring his kingdom and his kingdom would crush every other kingdom for all time and it would never stop. That is what the kingdom of God is all about. That's a big deal. But some of you would say that's good news. But what does that have to do with me? Like tomorrow and every day that I live, Well, thanks for asking. You see, many of us, as I just read all those verses, I only read four, by the way, out of many, 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 many verses about the kingdom of God. You should just go do it. Go go do a little Google search. Type the word verse kingdom and see what all Google will show you. You'd be shocked at how much the Bible talks about God bringing his kingdom upon the earth. But back to us. You may think this great battle that I just talked about is this spiritual thing that's happening all around us. And and there's some truth to that. Angels and demons and a spiritual battle in the heavenlies, true. But one of Satan's strategies, maybe one of his most successful, one of humanity's greatest mistakes is to believe that we're just bystanders in a great spiritual battle, just watching and waiting for the end. For God and his angels to fix everything so that we can go to heaven. Truth is, we're actually heavily involved. Matter of fact, even more than heavily involved, much of what God is going to do upon the earth, he's going to do through you and me. Do you remember the offspring of woman part? Not only is it Jesus, but it is also us. 
And let me explain. Have you ever heard this scripture? Romans 16 says that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, our feet. Now, I want you to think about this as you're going to say, wait a minute, how is that going to happen? It doesn't feel like it. I pray. I don't think my prayers are answered. I, I try to do things. It doesn't look like it's happening. Matter of fact, I think Satan's crushing me some days. I don't understand how I am going to crush Satan beneath my feet. How is God going to do that? Well, truth, we need to know about who we are. He raised him, Jesus, from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. That's a whole nother sermon I want to preach right now about that. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and he gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church, you and me, which is his body, which is the fullness of him upon the earth, gave Jesus as the head to his body, which is the fullness of him upon the earth. So think about this. Thousands of years ago, God said, my son will crush your head. My son is the head of his body upon the earth. And through his body, the God of peace will soon crush Satan beneath your feet. Think about this. If Jesus is the head and we're the body and Jesus is going to crush the head of Satan, he's going to do it through you and me with everything that we do upon the earth. Every day, every moment, every action that we take, we're the ones that will crush the head of Satan. Jesus did it on the cross and he continues to do it through you and me today. Everything that God is going to do, he's going to do through his church upon the earth. The problem is that most who are the church don't know that. And Satan hopes you never figure it out. This means the church is actually pretty important. Matter of fact, a critical piece of the kingdom of God. The church is not the kingdom of God. Some people misunderstand that theologically. The kingdom of God includes the host of heaven. It includes angels. It includes all that is happening. But the kingdom of God includes this part, which is the church. The church is anyone who calls Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior upon the earth. We are the church. And so many of us would ask, matter of fact, let me ask you the question, why is the church here? Why do we do church? And matter of fact, many would give the answer, well, it's just what we do, right? I mean, I believe in Jesus, so someday I'm going to heaven. I will go to heaven today. I go to church. It's what we do. But knowing why the church is here upon the earth is crucial to accomplishing the mission that we have been given. Mission? Yes, exactly. You see, the church does not exist for the reasons that we tend to believe. The church does not exist to be an activity in your life. The church does not exist to hold these meetings. The church does not exist to be a social club for Christians. Actually, the church exists for one purpose and one purpose only, that is to advance the kingdom of God upon the earth. Because his word says this, his, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. What is this manifold wisdom of God? It's his plan. It's the plan that he's been working. We call it the gospel. Jesus died so that everybody who was lost and separated from God could be brought back to God. Everybody who was, was removed from him could have their sins forgiven. They could be made right with God. It's the gospel. That's what we call it. Jesus did it. And you and I, our job is to make that known upon the earth so that every other person for all of history can claim the goodness of God and make Jesus their king. That's the manifold wisdom of God. 
And God says, I will make that known through the church. But did y'all catch that cool part that I went over so fast? Put that verse back on the screen for me, please. Through the church, this is gonna be made known to the rulers in the heavenly realms, to the authorities in the heavenly realms. Yeah, it's gonna be made known to your neighbor too. We'll get to that. But, but check out how cool that is. What that means is that when Satan was standing there and he had trapped Adam and Eve, he had got all of humanity, he got everything, and all the demons are going, yay, that's my boss, that's my boss, boss's day, yay, yay. We got it, we got him, we got everything, we're on the winning side. And Satan's like, look at me, I'm the man. I mean, they think they've got everything and they're looking and they're seeing people trapped. And even today, they see people trapped in an addiction, trapped in a miserable state of life, trapped in something. And they're saying, I don't care that God says some woman's going to get all of this back, some kid of a woman, I don't care. I mean, how does he think he's going to do that? How? Through the church. See, the thing is, they're still to this day peering down, looking around every corner from their invisible realm going, I don't see it. I don't see it. It ain't going to happen. We got this guy over here. He is trapped. He is stuck. He's been to rehab. He's been to this. He's been to that. He's tried that. He's asked for that. He's read that self-help book. He's watched Oprah. He's done it all. He even watched Dr. Phil. He, he is still trapped and he can't get free. How do they think that's going to happen? And then somebody in the church works in the cubicle next, starts talking to him. Somebody from the church starts praying for him. Somebody from the church starts praying with him. Somebody from the church is there with him at his darkest moment and picks his head up. Somebody from the church invites him to a small group where he finally feels love and acceptance for the first time in his life. Somebody in the church says, hey, maybe what you tried before didn't work, but I know someone who can move inside of you and change your life. Someone from the church invites him to an Easter service. Somebody from the church preaches. Somebody from the church gets him to a place where he can finally have everything that God intends for him. It is through the church that the spiritual realm is looking and saying, how dare they? How dare those people? We have to stop those people. They're the problem. We have to stop them. And so the, I just want to tell you, next time you wake up on a Monday and you go, oh, I hate my life. I just got to go to work. This is such a pointless existence. You need to jump out of bed and, hey, y'all, are y'all watching? Because I got something to do today. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to set some people free. The church is the vehicle for the advancement of the kingdom upon the earth. Stop waiting on angels to do our job. That was not in my notes, but I was excited. <laughs> the church is the vehicle. The church is the vehicle for the advancement of the kingdom of God upon the earth. If you'd say, how does that happen? Matter of fact, somebody would say, Jimmy, okay, that preaches well, but that's not actually what's in the Bible. What's in the Bible? Jesus said that the church your job is to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that I've done. That's what Jesus told us to do. And I would say, exactly. Because how does the church advance the kingdom? By getting back everything that was lost. Remember, the first thing that was lost was man's relationship with God. Remember that everyone who does not call upon Jesus as king is trapped in the kingdom of darkness. And when they call upon Jesus as king, they are rescued and brought into the kingdom of his son, trapped as a prisoner. And our job is to set every prisoner free. This will mess with you. The church does not exist for us. The church primarily exists for those who are not part of it. 
Our mission is not for you and me to come in here and sing songs. Our mission is not for you and me to shake hands. Our mission is not for you and me to even get together. We just do that to help us until we get to heaven. Our mission, our only reason for existence are those people out there right now, literally right now out there. That is the reason for existence. But every person who does not call upon Jesus as a prisoner, I want to give you an analogy that I think will change the way you think about the world. We're at a military base, so I've got some military analogies I'm gonna share for the rest of the messages. First one, if you can imagine with me, some of you have experienced this, where some guys are on patrol in their Humvee and they're in a part of the city that's a little risky. As they turn a corner, there's an ambush that is set up for them. And after some gun battle, some gunfight, one of their soldiers is taken prisoner. And after the other people run off and it's time for them to, to figure out what comes next, they get back in the Humvee and they go back to the compound. And as they get out of the Humvee at the compound, they walk into the mess hall and the conversation goes a little like this. Man, I can't believe we're having spaghetti again today. I hate spaghetti here. It's always like soggy noodles and the sauce. It, it tastes like ketchup. It's not how that goes, is it? Conversation is a little more like, I don't care that it's time to eat. I'm not hungry. You go tell our CO what we're up to, grab some other guys, get some more embo. We've got a friend who is prisoner and I will not eat or sleep until we rescue him. That's not how we live. How we live is we show up on Monday sitting next to a guy named Bob at work. Hey, Bob, how you doing, man? Hey, it's all good. I know you're going to hell. Hey, you want to have lunch today? I want to tell you about my Disney trip. You know, I tell jokes and you don't laugh. That was a deep theological truth that was not meant to be funny. <laughs> but maybe we do need to laugh because it's the only way that we can handle that reality. Every single person around us, your dentist, your mechanic, your next door neighbor, the weird uncle at your family reunion, any one of them who does not say Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior is trapped, trapped. We often think that they are just free to just walk out on their own. No, they are a prisoner in the kingdom of darkness. They must be rescued. They must be rescued by someone who has the presence of God, the truth of God, that is praying for them, reaching to them and doing something in their lives. Yes, some people are rescued because they read a tract, but who took the tract? Who prayed over it? Who did that? They're, they're invited to a service and they say, well, it was the It's the church. It's you, it is me, it is everything that we do. The second thing that we are called to get back is dominion. Man's relationship is the first thing that's lost. The second is dominion. Remember, it was all lost. I want you to think about the Garden of Eden. All too often we think, oh, well, if we want dominion back, let's get back to the Garden of Eden. Let's just go there. Somebody find the Garden of Eden. Where's Indiana Jones? We need the Garden of Eden. Can we get back there? Look, that's not the answer. Because the reality is the Garden of Eden was not about a little place of real estate. What made the Garden of Eden special, what is it was the one place on the earth where the perfect rule and authority of God existed, unhindered. And of course, all that was lost. So our job is not to move to the Garden of Eden. Our job is to bring the Garden of Eden to every place we live, to every place we go, because we are agents of the kingdom of God. We are citizens. If you call Jesus your king, you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And what that means is that where you live, you say in my neighborhood, 
the kingdom of God is in this place. Matter of fact, the park at the end of the street will be safe for kids to play because I'm an agent of the kingdom and I have come to this place and that is my park and I prayer walk that park every day when I go out and, and exercise because this is my school, this is my classroom uh, and I'm an agent of the kingdom in this place, this will be safe. We're supposed to bring the rule and authority of God to every place we go because I work at Target. Every time I walk into Target, I say the kingdom of God is in this place because I work at Blue Cross Blue Shield because I am a soldier in this unit. Every time I walk in here, I say the kingdom of God is coming to this place. I'm more excited than y'all are. I hope y'all are getting this. We need to understand it's our place not to go to the Garden of Eden, but to bring Eden to every, everywhere we are. And we misunderstand our presence and the strength of our presence because we're in the kingdom. You see, let me give you another military analogy. I've been told by soldiers, just hypothetically, that when we go into a nation that we need to be there for a while before we have our own military base built, just hypothetically, we might go into a building and say, we're commandeering this building, y'all have to leave. I want you to imagine me right now, I walk into a place where an American passport is not welcome. All five, five of me in my blue jean jacket. And I walk into a building and say, hey, y'all. That's how we speak where I come from. Need y'all to get on out of here. I'm taking over. How's that going to go? Yeah, they will find my body behind that building. But if I were wearing a uniform, United States Army, for instance, Marines, Air Force, Navy, you pick. And if we even tailored it to make me look a little bit taller. And I walk in and say, need y'all to leave this building. I'm taking over. They will. But what changed? What changed is they recognize it's not about me. It's about the uniform I wear. That if they don't obey my words, that everything that uniform represents, that kingdom will come and back up my words. That every soldier, every airman, every sailor, every marine, every plane, every ship, every tank, every bullet, whatever unit, will come and enforce my words. They understand that this uniform represents something much greater than me. What you need to understand is you too have a uniform. It's only seen in the spiritual realm. Demons know it. They see it when you walk in. Angels cheer when you walk in. The blood of Christ has given us robes of righteousness. When you walk into a school, when you walk into your unit, when you walk into your business, when you drive into your neighborhood, demons fear you because they see your uniform. They know who you are. They know that you have the right to say, excuse me, because of the kingdom I represent, I am in this place. The kingdom of God has come. Things will be different now. They hate when you get promoted. How dare you actually own a business and you have control? How dare you become a teacher and can say what happens in that room? How dare you become a principal? How dare you get promoted in your unit? How dare you get to a place where you have even more influence? Oh, demons hate it and fear it. But the truth is they don't have to worry too terribly much. Because many of us spend our lives going, I hate these civilian clothes. I think I need to go shopping, get something a little better. This is kind of outdated. 
Who's got time for that kingdom stuff? I can barely hold my marriage together. I can't pay my taxes. Finances are off the rails. My kids don't talk to me anymore. I mean, somebody's put something on Facebook. It's not even true. And I'm just, just consumed with that. I, just, I don't know. What, I don't have time for what that guy's preaching about. If we could get out of our civilian mindset, stop seeing yourself dressed this way, Start to recognize the uniform you truly wear and the job that we've been given and the spiritual authority that stands behind us. We change the world. I promise you that. So let me sum it up. As you hopefully are asking, what does this have to do with me? First, we are the church. Church is not an organization. Church is not a building. This is a warehouse. They used to sell truck tires out of this warehouse. If you look close enough underneath the paint, you'll see rings of rubber we could never get rid of. All we did was put the word church on the side of the warehouse. Guess what it is now? A warehouse with the word church on the side of it. Yeah. People will say, hey, pastor, can we meet at the church? I'll say, sure, where are you? You're Starbucks? No, I said, can we meet at the church? Yes, where are you? If you make an appointment, to meet me at the church, I'm gonna ask you where you are or I'm assuming you're coming to my house, which I probably don't want you doing, but. <laughs> we, we irritate people because we'll say, oh, I'll meet you at the building. This is a building. Sheetrock, concrete, weird stuff on the outside you think is wood. It's not wood, it's corn. It's made out of corn, painted brown, not even wood. Just for the record, just so you know, we're the church, not this place. The church is not an hour of your week. The church is not an event you go to. The church is not a building. You are the church and the church has a mission. Yeah. Local churches are simply gatherings of those believers that have that mission to do. And I'm gonna tell you, there's a question we ask that ruins us. It messes us up and I hate this question. You meet somebody. And you find out they're a Christian and the first thing you say to them is, oh, that's so nice. Where do you go to church? Oh, I hate that question. Stop asking that question. Words create culture. It, that's a whole nother sermon. But what you say affects how you live your life. Stop asking that question. Because what you mean by that is what building do you drive to and watch somebody else do what they're called to do? What building do you go to and sit while somebody else does what they're called to do? I hate that question. We need to ask the same question soldiers would ask. Oh, you're a Christian? Good. What unit are you in? What's your MOS? And for all the civilians in the room, that is what are you trained to do? Do you know your spiritual gifts and what God put you here to do? We need to start answering this question like, Oh, I'm a part of the Grace Life Unit. No, I'm a part of the Ford City Unit. I'm part of the First Baptist Unit. I'm part of the Samuels Community Unit. I know what unit I'm in, really? And what's your MOS? Well, actually, I'm a teacher and I, I lead with the youth and I do this and I do it because I know who I am and I know what God's created me to do. And then you can look at them and say, so when are you deployed? Oh, we're deployed down to the homeless this Saturday doing an outreach. How about you guys? Oh, we're deployed over to a, a, a group in Pakistan. We've got a trip taking place this week going over there because we are units we are deploying, we have training and skills and we know why we're on the earth. Actually, it turns out that you and I are part of a militant movement on the earth called the church. Yeah. 
And that's why Jesus said something we can never forget. Let me show you this. I, Jesus, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. I think they deserved a little parentheses if they just knew who they were. I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it when they figure out who they are and why they're there. There was a survey done a few years back of people in church, the building, the activity. Survey was not done at Walmart. It was not done at McDonald's. It was done as people were in a church building, people going to church. And they were asked, why is the church here? 89%, basically nine out of 10. 89% chose the answer, the church is here to meet my needs. They said the church should be doing things like fellowship, prayer, teaching, worshiping, and my favorite one, training my kids. 11%, only one of 10, that the church is here to fulfill the mission of God. And you know what the problem is? That means that nine out of 10 people every week get up and go to sit to get their needs met. That's why they get upset when their favorite song is not played. When the preacher doesn't cover a topic that encourages them enough. And just like the soldiers with spaghetti in the mess hall, that's why they get tired. They go to the building down the street and tell that guy, the other one didn't feed me. Because you're all worried about spaghetti instead of the prisoners that are trapped outside these walls. So I leave you with a simple question today. Are you in the nine? Are you gonna be the one? Are you in the nine? Are you gonna be the one? Because God's not waiting till the end. It's not gonna be a big show of angels. God is doing it right now, today, upon the earth through his church. You and I have lives that matter like you have never imagined before. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you of how totally cool you are. You didn't just leave us here to sing songs and listen to somebody. You left us here to do the most amazing thing, to give our lives the greatest purpose that people will go to heaven because of us, that demons fear us, that angels cheer us on. God, I pray today you will wake us up to the reality of who we are and why we're here and what we're called to do. God, let us advance your kingdom. Let us live tomorrow like no day ever before. God, for all the days in the past where we were just focused on, on our little waiting for heaven and our civilian life in the meantime, we say, forgive us. Would you, would you forgive us? And God, challenge us to never let those days return. If you'll just stay in a place of prayer, I want to close by speaking to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be set free from the kingdom of darkness, so that you could be raised to eternal life. 
thing is that every one of us at some point has to interact with that truth. We have to look at Jesus hanging on the cross, time compressed, 2022, 2,000 years ago, meet. You meet his eyes and you say, thank you. And you receive that gift. If you've never done that, I wanna help you do that. Whether you are online, whether you're right here in the room, simply say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I choose to live for you. I thank you that I'm loved. I thank you that I'm forgiven. In my prayer here today, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom? Amen. Would all of you help me celebrate with them? Amen.